This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, October 1st, 2009. I'm Caleb Brown. The federal government has more and more power as time goes on, but it is becoming less able to aggregate and make use of the relevant knowledge needed to plan for a population of hundreds of millions. In the face of that disparity between knowledge and power, why is government becoming more centralized? Cato Institute adjunct scholar Arnold Kling's new book is Unchecked and Unbalanced, How the Discrepancy Between Knowledge and Power Caused the Financial Crisis and Threatens Democracy. He argues that those who have the knowledge to make the right decision should have the power too. There's a quote that says, It's not that a fool and his money are soon parted. It's that it was amazing that they ever got together in the first place. And you sort of make a, a, I guess, a similar argument about modern government regarding knowledge of what's going on in the world around it. Yeah, the point of the of this book, Unchecked and Unbalanced, is that it's remarkable to see in a world where knowledge is getting increasingly dispersed that a government where power is heavily concentrated, works at all in that world. And actually, I think it's working worse than people realize. And the the attempt to concentrate more power in government at this moment in time is exactly the wrong thing uh, historically. Give me an example. Well, I guess I'll give you an example of the TARP. Uh, you know, all of a sudden, $700 billion uh, being spent... And they really had no idea what to do with it. You know, if you, you know, the initial proposal was they were going to buy toxic assets. And for the longest time, they didn't buy any toxic assets and even now have hardly bought any. I mean, that's, it was almost nothing. They, they just rushed in not knowing what was going on. It's like you know, somebody you know, rushing into a complex situation, not knowing what's going on, and saying, I'm going to take charge. And then after they are given the right to take charge, they go, now I don't know what to do. Uh, so this discrepancy between knowledge and power is the focus of that book. What drives that? I mean, you would believe that in order for people to get elected, that they demonstrate some knowledge of what ought to occur. Well, it could very well be that, for example, Barack Obama was the most knowledgeable person of any of the candidates for president. But there's a structural problem that Knowledge is becoming decentralized uh, and power is centralized. In the book, I start out by talking about the financial crisis and I tell what I call my suits versus geeks story that the people with the power, the executives, uh, did not know what the, pe- the people underneath them, the people running the models, knew. And the pe- a lot of, in a lot, many cases, the people running the models knew that these securities were risky that they all depended on a scenario of house prices rising forever, and that wouldn't necessarily happen. But the people in power didn't really understand the sensitivity. And I think even now, I don't think top regulators understand the sensitivity of this. I just was uh, this morning heard, got a chance to converse with Olivier Blanchard of the International Monetary Fund, and he's all for restarting securitization. Uh, with no acknowledgement that there's this fundamental flaw with securitization that the people with the power, that it separates power from knowledge, uh, as if that is not a problem. He did, it didn't even, doesn't even on his radar screen. And of course, he's one, one who has lots of power, and I'm afraid in this case lacks the knowledge. 
specifically within the housing market, specifically with regard to securitization, that doesn't seem to be a problem necessarily associated with government. The separating of knowledge and of risks and the ability to move these assets around? Um, in theory, that has nothing to do with government. In practice, it had everything to do with government. I'm not convinced that securitization survives in the wild, that it, you know, it's always required a uh, government guarantee, like for Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae, it's always required government support and government tilting of regulations in its favor. And to this day, I don't think policymakers really understand the risks of, of it, so that you have policymakers, I think, exemplify this knowledge power discrepancy. They have the power to set the terms for financial markets, and they use that power to encourage securitization. And to this day, they do not understand why that was a dangerous thing to do. To the extent that that disconnect is uh, broadening between those with the knowledge and those with the with the power, and sometimes uh, they're mix, mixed around who those people are in, in various situations, what can be done to reverse that trend, to make sure that the people who are empowered to make decisions are the people with the right knowledge at the right time to make the right decision? Well, I think you have to get away from the notion that, that the solution is centralization. So the, a progressive says, well, if the people in power made mistakes, we just got to get different people in power. We just got to get the right people. And if you think of it as a more of a structural problem, you need to change the structure. And one of the analogies I have is with the Internet. You know, the Internet doesn't require that somebody in, be in charge to decide, well, we should have Twitter, we should have MapQuest, we should have this, we should have that. It's a very decentralized structure. And that would be the model I would look toward for government. Um, I, I spend a lot of time in the book talking about the contrast between the structure of the Internet, which takes advantage of the increased decentralization and specialization of knowledge, and the structure of our government, which gets more and more concentrated, uh, which just by that nature of giving so much power to such a small group of people guarantees that power and knowledge are not going to be congruent. So then that, that raises the question, well, how would you make it better? Um, and I throw out a bunch of ideas in the book. All of them are ideas that would not appeal to current politicians, obviously. It would have to be something that the public would have to start to uh, get excited about. But things like allowing people to form their own small communities, uh, and maybe even virtual communities, break away from these big counties and big local government units, uh, allowing people to direct some of their own tax revenue so that you could say, uh, no, I really don't want any of my money going to the mohair subsidy, but there's this little nonprofit out there that I'd like to support, or maybe there's even a government program that I'd like to support. Uh, letting people uh, uh, direct more of their own money with vouchers, uh, using vouchers for health care and education and so on. So a lot of ideas, most of which uh, would not appeal to politicians currently, but which would decentralize power, and, and just I think anything that decentralizes power would make power and knowledge more congruent. Arnold Kling is an adjunct scholar at the Cato Institute. His new book is Unchecked and Unbalanced. You can read some of his other work at cato.org.